Welcome to the Big Ticket Life Podcast, where we feature stories from highly successful life and business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs. Join us as we discuss the mindset, motivation, and music you need for a big ticket life. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Big Ticket Life Podcast, and it's my pleasure to introduce a good friend of mine, Mr. Joe Serio. Joe, how are you doing today? Hey, how's it going? Great to be here. Well, well Joe, you know, I, I know I introduced you as a good friend of mine, but you are an amazingly successful leadership coach and the thing we share in common is music but we'll get to that we'll get to that in a second joe you know you really impressed me the day that we uh talked and had some coffee you are doing some powerful things in the world of transformational change in organizations you are truly doing big ticket work out there can you tell us how you went off into the world of becoming a speaker oh well that started a lot it, it, it the idea started a long time ago mm-hmm when I was about 13, 14, 15 years old, I knew that that was something that was going to be part of my life. Wow, that's right? early. That's really early. Yeah, it is. And, and I think some of the main reasons was because almost everybody in my family is a teacher mm. in, one se- in one way, shape, form, or another. Yeah. When I say almost everybody in my family, there are 14 people in my family. <laughs> okay. So my mother, my father, and 12 kids. And... The dentist is a teacher, and the lawyer is a teacher, and the priest is a teacher, and the math teacher is a teacher. Yeah, yeah. All the speaking part was something we grew up with Mm. in the house, um, debating and arguing among, you know, 14 people under one roof, plus uh, just tons of books and tons of educational programs and things. Uh, And we just, we loved doing it. And I knew at that point. Not, not kind of following a family thing because none of the people in my family were professional speakers yep. uh, or trainers or anything like that. But it, yeah, it was really, I got, the, I got that bug very early on. Yeah. And I knew it. I, I consciously knew it deeply when I was 14 years old. Wow. Now, one of the things that's really powerful and unique about your speaking is that you combine music with your speaking. In fact, on your website, you're sitting on your amp with your guitar. I mean, that is so cool. By the way, that's an Ibanez. I love, I I have one too. I love that brand. Tell us how you decided that music needed to be a part of your speaking and how does that work for you? Well, there are a couple of things. Number one, I speak about fear. I speak about fear. I speak about time management and fear. I speak about resistance and fear. I speak about positive interaction with difficult people and fear. So everything I do is based on fear. Why? Because I was afraid of everything growing up. Mm. That's another long story, but I was afraid of everything growing up. I knew at 14 I wanted to be a speaker. I never did it Ah. because there were other forces that were more powerful in my life. I didn't actually step out and do it until much later in life. Mm. So one of the things I was afraid of was playing music. I didn't start playing the harmonica until after 30 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't start playing the guitar until after 40 years old. I didn't start playing the ukulele until after 50 years old. So one thing I did know, though, growing up in the house that I grew up in, we understood, we got the message that what you do has to be powerful, has to have impact, it has to be different. Mm-hmm. When you go to a sporting event or you watch something on TV, who do they show on the Jumbotron? They show the people dancing, kissing, 
dressed up, whatever, right? Yeah. Different attracts attention. Mm-hmm. So I bring, when I do a time management class, I bring in that guitar, I bring in that amp, and I discuss how to break down complex tasks using a guitar. And I teach the audience in five minutes how to play 100 million songs. Wow. And I'm not exaggerating. Wow. In five minutes, I teach them everything they need to know about how to play, how to play music. Yeah. So I started bringing my harmonica into my keynotes at conferences and people love it. I mean, I was talking to a prospective client this morning mm-hmm. and they see me speak before and they want me to bring, they want to bring me in now to their place. And they said, you're going to bring your harmonica, right? <laughs> people love it. Yeah. They love it. No, and, 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 and I love it too. And one of the things I also love is your enthusiasm. You are just in your element, you know, as you've combined these two things, the speaking and the music, you know, you know, you, you mentioned just a few minutes ago here that for many years you were afraid to actually follow your, what I'm going to call your purpose at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Les Brown, one of my mentors has a saying that, or actually has a thing he says about himself, which is that for many years he too parked on the highway of life. Like he knew what he wanted, but he just parked and did nothing for 10, 15 years. Right. Um, And and then finally, when he got back, it didn't matter how old he was, didn't matter what was going on. He knew he was in that right place. Is that kind of been your journey? It's like, now you feel you are here. This is your purpose. Yeah. So number one, I love Les Brown. Mm -hmm. I listen to him multiple times a week. I have multiple, I have motivational uh, videos and audio playing. Uh, every morning when I get up. And um, the other thing is, there are only four or five things I want to do with my life, period. Mm. From here to the end. I want to speak. I want to write. I want to travel. I want to play music. And I want to be connected to somebody, a special person, right? That's it. That's the only thing I want to do. And I take my writing, my music, and my speaking and intertwine it all and have each support the other. My friend, this is what we call clarity. <laughs> this is what we're looking for. I'm super clear. You know, I've spent a long time not being clear. I am super clear about my purpose, about my calling, about my vocation, about how I'm, how I'm supposed to use my life. Yeah. And I see the impact on people around me, so I know I'm totally on the right path. Nice, nice. Now, you know, you talk about, uh, leadership being personal. You've authored several books. Um, you know, not only are you a speaker and a musician, but you're also a, a, an author and a coach. What do you mean by leadership is personal? You know, you're all about teaching people and helping people through transformational change in organizations. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about what you mean by your point of view, leadership is personal, as well as who you serve. You know, who are the people that you actually work with the most? Right. So, the thing about leadership, I've, I've planned and organized leadership conferences in the past. I've attended lots of leadership trainings. And here's the thing I noticed. They usually don't go below a certain line. Mm. So they talk about what are values, what are culture, what is vision, what's mission. I say, like, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. What about the individual who's sitting there in the seat? saying, yeah, I get it, but there's no way I'm going for that promotion because I'm too afraid of the interview process. Mm. Or there's no way that I'm going to go for that new job because no one will pay me twenty dollars or $30,000 more than I'm making now. Mm. I like to occupy that space beneath the line where we talk about fear, resistance, what's going on inside your head. 
emotional intelligence, how you communicate with yourself and others around you, mm-hmm. because that's the foundation that everything else is going to be built on. You know, so that's, that's the space I like, and it's the space that I know from my personal experience, mm-hmm. like being locked down in fear and not really going after what I wanted to go after. Mm-hmm. I know that millions of people are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. So I decided, so my background is a little bit uh, different. I have a PhD in criminal justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, was, I, I lived in Russia for almost 10 years mm. to investigate the Russian mafia. Oh, <laughs> I, I was the only American to work with the Soviet uh, organized crime control department, mm-hmm. the, the Soviet national police. Mm-hmm. Uh, I speak Russian. I studied Russian and, and I wrote a book about the Russian mafia. I'm actually coming out with my next book called Vodka Hookers and the Russian Mafia, my life, in, my life in Moscow. Oh, so that will wow. be out soon. Your, your first book in that, in that direction was called The Russian Mafia. So you've, this is your second book, book leveraging yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I've been working with or around law enforcement and criminal justice for 30 years, more than 30 years. Mm-hmm. So my audiences are primarily government agencies. I have a company that serves just 911 dispatchers all over the United States and Canada, mm-hmm. 360dispatcher.com. I have a, a company that serves uh, government agencies, probation, police departments, corrections, um, and, and that's a company called Government Leadership Training. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that audience. And, and the reason is this. I've been exposed to corporate. I've trained at corporate. Um, I, I know a lot of people work at places like Dell and whatever, and they get a lot of training. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you, know, you know, the people who don't get a lot of training is 911 dispatchers. Mm. And you know the people who don't get a lot of training about what's going on inside themselves? Mm. Law enforcement officers. Wow. And, and boy, do probation. they need it, right? <laughs> Say again? I said, and boy, do they need it, right? They, they well, got- you know what? We all need it. Well, well and, but they're at the front line of a lot of tough stuff, right? Totally, yeah. And, and number one, they're misunderstood. And number two, they don't have enough training to help them cope with what's happening inside of them, like stress. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do a stress management class for them as well. Um, I love that market. I love the audience. I saw a niche, ran after it, and it's just it served me really well. You know what's 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 really remarkable about you, and I want to highlight this, even if you don't want to do it, is, you've, you know, seriously, you've really taken your story, right, your journey, and you've stitched the pieces of your story into the story that you're evolving as we speak. I mean, the, yeah. the Russian experience has evolved into two books. Your whole concept of fear and you've got to get the nerve, you know, has become what one, two, three, four, five books about getting the nerve, right? Hey. Eight books on getting the nerve. Oh my we have three more in process right now. Yeah, and then your, of course, your whole criminal justice PhD background is is manifesting through your work in that field. I mean, this is powerful. So, Tell us some. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. So the, the the bottom line is this: How do I, as a speaker, how can I, as a speaker, take every major component of my life mm-hmm. and use it as part of my business? as part of my presentation, as part of my performance. And that is the piece that gets people's attention. Yeah, the authenticity, right? Yeah, 
I talk about my family of 14 people. Mm. Why do I talk about my family during a conference or a training? Because I want the audience to think about their experience with their family. Absolutely. I want them to think about their experience growing up. I want them to think about the things that they put off to the side and are not going to live their dream. And I tell my story, lockdown and fear, and the steps that I took to get through that. Mm -hmm. To I worked in corporate America. I was successful in that. I worked in academia. I was successful in that. But it was only because of going through this policy that I've just taken to a new level in my own life called radical honesty. Wow. That's it. It's radical. When I screw up, it comes out. Wow. It's got, there it is. I did it. I screwed it up. When I do great, there it is. I did it. Now, what is it that I need to do better in my life and my business? And just strip it all down and say, look, you're not good at this. You're not good at this. You're not good at this. Mm -hmm. Can I hire somebody to do those things? Or do I need to learn something for myself to bring a better product to my clients? Wow. You know, I, I can't tell you how powerful it is that you are the message you are also the messenger and that's something that i wanted to highlight you know you've stitched your life together into this powerful thing going forward in fact i find a lot of similarity in your journey with with what i've been through you know we've, we've talked about some of these things for me you know music <laughs> i've been running away from music all my life but that's me that's who i am mm -hmm. um and luckily for me Along the way, I've written these songs. And if you put them all together, you're like, wait a second. These songs are my message. Like, I got happy. You know, like, your thing is fear. My thing was, I only found myself when I consciously became happy. I, I chose happy. And that's mm -hmm. how I, I evolved and so on. So I couldn't love what you're doing more, Joe. But, but let me ask you a question along those lines. Yep. Tell, us, tell us some examples or some stories of the impact. I mean, I know you're having impact with, with with people in all kinds of ways, but tell us some stories about how your work is affecting your, your audience and your clients. You know, uh, that's a really good question. And it's a timely question because one of the things just happened this morning. I wow. got an email from somebody who was in one of my classes from a police officer who was in one of my classes in June. Uh -huh. And uh, my mom had passed away in April. So I went through all that and I talk about it. I talked about it in that class. I didn't know that his mother was dying. Mm. His mother passed away a month later in July. And he sent me an email this morning and said, you know what? I'm so glad that you talked about your mother passing. You talked about getting over your own fear because what I decided from listening to you was I don't care anymore. Wow. I don't care anymore about the BS. I don't care anymore about the pettiness. I don't care anymore about you know, me having to run other people's lives or satisfy other people. Life is too short and I need to go inside myself and live my best life. You know, you want to talk about a big ticket life? That's big ticket. That's big ticket right there. <laughs> and, and that big ticket happened. First of all, there was an impulse and it came from a conversation from you, but he made a choice. He made a choice to pursue his highest uh, a big ticket life. Right. Um, so, you know, so you, you also mentioned earlier um, an, a person that you spoke or sorry, a, a speech you gave in, a, in yeah. an organization. And then, you know, you're there trying to help people be successful and someone comes up to you saying they're going to go be an entrepreneur. So tell us about that one. So uh, about two months ago, I got an email from a woman I don't know. I don't remember her. She said, I attended your class in Memphis, Tennessee a year ago. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a time management and organizational skills class. Yeah. Um, and I, ca- I refer to it as turbocharging your time. I show people how to turbocharge their time mm-hmm. in a world of distractions. And she took the class, and then she read my book on time management. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, I know that the point of you coming in was not to get me to quit my job. <laughs> but I quit my job after your class. I quit my job because I realized, I listened to what you said, and I realized that I'm in the wrong place. Mm. I'm not going after my purpose. Mm. I'm not, I don't know my why. I'm not answering my calling. And I quit my job because of what you said. And I went off and followed the thing that's been burning a hole in my heart that I've wanted to do for so long. And I love it. And I've been doing it for a year. And thank you so much. Wow. You know, and, and, and for anyone who, who might misunderstand this, I don't want that to be the case. The, the, the truth is you, you gave a great speech that had the right intended consequences, but it's the power, right? It's the power of your stories to touch people's hearts at that level that a year later, all right, I mean, a year later, she's, this thing is still inside of her and she right. wanted to just thank you for what you did for her. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, the one thing about that is as you do your podcasts, yeah, I do my classes, we never know the impact that one class, one podcast is going to have on somebody's life. Absolutely. Because they hear the right thing at the right time and everything lines up and they get the nerve, which is why I called my book series the Get the Nerve series. They get the nerve to go inside and say, you know what? I'm going to take this chance. Yes. I'm going to do it. I'm not getting any younger. Life is too short. Let me go be the person that I know I am inside. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all of the things you do, right, have to have some kind of a secret. <laughs> I want to get some of them out. I want people to learn what you do and how you do it. So, for example, I'll give you an example, right? Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of the people that listen to my Big Ticket Life podcast and also the Big Ticket Clients one that preceded it, you know, they want to make some big changes. They're not looking to, you know, sort of walk a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right. They want to, they want to go after big ticket clients, make, have a big ticket life. You know, I believe you've got to learn from people who've walked the walk and, and, and know how to talk the talk. Can you share with us some nuggets of advice or some v- v- things you've seen that work versus things that don't work about how to either go after your big ticket life or get big ticket clients? Um, how do you make those big moves. So here's with all the moves that I've made, I've made a lot of moves over my life, you know, going to Russia. I lived in Russia for almost 10 years. Mm. I lived in China for a year before the foreign businesses went in, uh, before Shanghai was a built, built up city. I was, you know, living there when it was dirt lots um, and, and writing books and teaching, getting a PhD, all the things I've been afraid of. Yeah. That I went and did. Um, here's, here's the, one of the most powerful things I learned. You can't wait until circumstances are perfect. Mm. You can't. You can't. And here's why. Number one, you would never do it. If you're waiting until you're not scared, you'll never do it. Yeah. You have to do it, and you have to do it when you're scared. And you have to prepare. Don't get me wrong. You prepare, you do your research, you do everything you possibly can. Mm -hmm. But number one, you've got to do it when you're over 50% of whatever you feel like you want to pursue. Sure. And the second thing is this, and it's related to the first reason. When you step out, and this is what happened when I started learning to play the harmonica. 
and I wish to God, if I knew this when I was 15 or 20, yeah. maybe my life would have been different. Okay. I don't know. But, I mean, I've had a great life, so let's not go there. <laughs> but, but the thing that you learn is that when you step out into that new space, the universe has a strange way of conspiring with you. Mm. So that when you say, I'm going to be a podcaster, suddenly you're paying attention to all the ingredients that go into podcasting. Yep. When I started playing the harmonica, the thing that I noticed, and I didn't anticipate this happening, mm -hmm. was I started hearing the harmonica in all these songs that I knew, but I never realized there was harmonica in it. Mm. I started seeing people who are, are into music. Mm -hmm. I started paying, my, I had different eyesight. So I had attention was being brought. The musicians were popping up. The harmonica players were popping up. I had a chance to play on the second largest stage in Nashville. Wow. Outside of the Grand Ole Opry, right? Mm -hmm. I played at a house party in Paris. I played at a nightclub in London. I played for cops in Warsaw. I played for KGB agents in Moscow. I recorded on a CD in Austin. I played on 6th Street in Austin. And none of this is to, to be bragging. Yeah, but, but it all started from you speaking that into your life, right? It's to say, look, you don't know, and you can't know, and you can't predict mm -hmm. the, the wealthy life, the rich life that's waiting for you on the other side of yes. Wow. You know, I got to tell you, I've been on that journey, and there, there's another aspect to this I want to ask you about that I've experienced, and that is not fear per se, not fear per se, but the, the, the distractions of low-hanging fruit, mm -hmm. the, the seduction of money or other things that seem to be easier if you're doing something else. How do you stay focused, right? How do you stay, well, once you speak into your life, as you've done, I'm going to go play the harmonica and I'm going to speak on all these big stages. How do you stay right. focused and get away from these distractions of life that come every day? So um, one thing is I have my own process for how I start the day. Mm. Right? So, and, and there are tools that, that make sense to me and they work for me. Because look, I, gotta t I have to say this because people don't frequently don't believe this, especially mm. if you're waiting to pull the trigger. We are the same as you. <laughs> I have all my, I'm squirrel, you know, whatever. I want to go run to every little thing. Yeah. I want to chase things that I have no business chasing. I want to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but part of it is we start the day with process, meditation. I have certain things that I read every day. I have certain podcasts that I listen to every day mm -hmm. because they're super powerful, super intense. And they remind me that I need to stop kidding myself. Mm. or I need to stop lying to myself, or I need radical honesty, or I need to make today the only day that I'm working on, right? I'm not working on five years from now. I'm working on today. Mm -hmm. And I marry that to the clarity you talked about earlier, mm -hmm. right? I'm speaking, I'm writing, I'm traveling, I'm playing music. That's it, mm. right? So if there's something that, that uh, wants to pull me away from that, it's easy to say no to that thing because my life is four things. That's it. And, and you've developed a process to keep you, remind you, even if it's a daily wake-up process, right? Sometimes it's two, three times a day. Mm. <laughs> In those moments when you feel particularly you know, scattered or you want to go try this and try that, it's like, no, 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 no. Get back. 
you know, back, sit down, listen to this tape again, or read this book again, or whatever. And and you need I I need tools and techniques. That's it. Everything about success, to my mind, mm-hmm. is about strategies, tools, mechanisms, techniques that take you along the way. Mm-hmm. Because most people fight along the way, mm. and we don't want to fight. We want to flow. Yeah. And if and if we if we create the pathway mm-hmm. of clarity and tools and techniques, it makes the flow so much easier. Yeah, you know, the, the, the tools and techniques thing is so important. And by the way, as a musician, you and I can easily relate to this, but I want to share this uh, along with what you're saying. You know, a lot of people might say, hey, I want to play the guitar, okay? But when you say, okay, you need to play the pentatonic scale for 10 minutes every day. That's your tool and that's your technique. Right. <laughs> uh, people skip that part because right. it's boring, it's repetitive, right. uh, it doesn't, it's not their hit song that they want to copy. Right. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more on that. Could you clarify for us something you've said a couple of times? I really, really enjoyed that term, radical honesty. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. I mean that I have to take total ownership of my life. Um, I have to take, uh, as Jocko Willink, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Jocko Willink is a former Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. Mm. That's, uh, that's what I mean. I have to take extreme ownership of my life. Mm-hmm. I have to talk about things that need talking about. Mm. I can't hide behind things just to make my ego feel better. And in my most recent phase of this, I took it to heights I've never done in my life. I'm saying things out loud to people who are close to me that I've never said before. And it keeps opening doors. Every time I get closer and closer to the real who I am, right? My big self. Or closing the right doors too, right? Because sometimes a door needs to close so you can go to the other door, right? Yes, 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 yes. So I start closing a lot of doors. and. the other doors just opened up even when I was scared or, or had trepidation over what was going to happen mm-hmm. if I said these things, you know, if I said things about myself, if I tried to embrace all. And, and by the way, this is every single category. This is money, food, relationships, siblings, family, friends. Who am I hanging around? Do I, do I even like this person well enough? Yeah. Spend time with them. Mm. I, had a, I had somebody I was uh, friends with for 33 years. Mm. And we got into something that he didn't particularly like about me. I was like, great, let me know. And he beat the hell out of me with it. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, well, thanks for your input. Yeah. And I'm realizing that I stayed friends with him all these years out of momentum, mm. right? out of habit. And I realized that he doesn't really bring anything to my life. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you willing to make difficult decisions? Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. It's extreme honesty. It's telling people where you stand and, 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 and telling yourself where you stand and what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and using those tools and mechanisms and techniques to get back on track. So powerful. And for people who are in that transition, that transformational process, Boy, uh, extreme honesty might actually slow you down. <laughs> you need to stop and think clearly about it because right. uh, it's, not a, uh, it's not a quick thing. Now, you mentioned another strategy of yours, one of your secret sauces for success in the big ticket client's world. You mentioned um, 
presentations, great presentations. Yeah. Tell us about that and why. Okay, now a lot of people might say, well, of course, he's a speaker, right? But, you know, what, what is the magic sauce for you, you know, with doing great presentations and that ha- how that transfers into clients and continuing business? So, number one, if you can't engage with your audience, mm-hmm. game over. Wow. That's it. Yeah. If they can't hear you, there's no purpose in you talking. Yeah. So, I, I'll give you, from a, from a speaking perspective, I'll just give you a small little example to, to get what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When I start speaking, I never introduce myself. I never talk about myself. Sometimes if it's a big group, there'll be somebody at a podium introducing me. Whatever, that's fine. But when I'm doing a training or a smaller keynote, I don't introduce – that's not the first thing out of my mouth. Yeah, it's all about them, right? What's that? It's all about your audience. It's about them. Yeah. It's about them. So the first thing out of my mouth is going to be some kind of thought-provoking question. Mm. I'll introduce myself 10 minutes later, but I need to get them. Mm-hmm. You know, you know very well Absolutely. that if you don't hear us in the first 10 seconds or 15 seconds of a song, if you don't hear something you like, you're not listening to the end. Yeah, absolutely. You're just going to turn it off. Yep. All these lyrics are terrible. Oh my God, this is so whatever, sugary, or this is, this is bad, badly constructed song, and you're just going to turn it off. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with an audience. And the thing for me is I know that most people don't know anyone with a family of 14. So I'm going to talk about that because the audience is going to go, oh, my God, 12 kids, you know, (laughs) and they're going to have that reaction. Mm -hmm. I know that 99.9% of people in the world have never attended a conference where the keynote speaker plays the harmonica. So I'm going to do that. Why? Because I've been to a lot of bad trainings. And, and, and it's unique. It's powerful. And yes. it's meaningful when you connect the context of, of music to change and transformational realities. I love that. And one of the things that I do is in a conference, I just did this last week, 300 people in the room. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I asked them all to stand up. And I say, if I asked you to clap, what would you do? And they all start clapping. Okay. And then I make a bad joke about, thank you. That's the only way I can get a standing ovation. <laughs> uh, and then... And then I say, if, if I asked you to applaud, what would you do? And they do exactly the same thing. Yeah. I say, if I asked you to, to clap out a rhythm, what would you do? And they all start clapping their own rhythm. And it sounds like a mess. Exactly. So I say, okay, clap out this rhythm. You get a room of 300 people clapping that rhythm. Yeah. And then I play on the harmonica to that rhythm. So I'll start like, do, do, do. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And we get them solidly going, mm-hmm. and then I put riffs on top. I just do, I just whip off some leads yeah. on top of their rhythm. Uh huh. Okay. I, give, I ask them to give themselves a round of applause. They all sit down. Their energy's up. Their blood is flowing. They're excited. It's different. Oh my God, what was that about? Yeah. And then I ask them that question What was that about? What just happened? Wow. And then we talk about what that actually meant. Mm-hmm. And wow. it's, it's impactful. You're creating synergy on the spot, teaching them teamwork, leadership, everything. <laughs> there it is. From music. In order, in order for that exercise to work, yeah. everybody in the room had to listen to everybody else in the room. Absolutely. And here's the question. What's the rhythm of your organization? Ooh. Are you guys singing from the same page? 
And then everybody looks at everybody like, ah, nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but you take something like leadership or organizational behavior and you put it in terms that they're not used to mm-hmm. but are kind of fun and different so it lodges in their brain. And they're like, hmm, I'm thinking about the rhythm of my organization now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Joe, the last time we met, we, we, I think it was coffee and, you know, I couldn't leave. We just, it was too much fun. <laughs> just learning so much, so expansive. Your knowledge is just amazing. And I feel the same way now. But, you know, if we were going to um, wrap up with a way people can reach you, how yes. exactly uh, can people reach Joe Serio if they want you to either come speak for them or maybe get your books? Um, how, what's the best way to get people to come contact you? So, um, the best way, non-government, joeserio.com. Okay. Uh, governmentgltraining.com. Gltraining.com. That okay. stands for Government Leadership Training. Oh, okay. And I do 911 training for at 360dispatcher.com. My books are available on my websites. They're also available on Amazon. Nice. Nice. Joe, it has been a pleasure to uh, kind of reconnect with you after a little while and just to hear your stories and to feel your energy and enthusiasm. Powerful stuff. Thank you for what you do, Joe. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Ticket Life Podcast. For more episodes and stories, visit drplay.com. That's D-R-P-E-L-E.com. And remember, your big ticket life begins when passion meets purpose.